Welcome back everyone to MedTech On Air, a podcast presented to you by MedTech Europe. I'm your host, Caroline Moulin, and I'm joined today by Michael Stubin, Director of Digital Health here at MedTech Europe. Welcome to MedTech On Air, Michael. Thank you, Caroline. It's great to be here. So this is the first time that you're joining our show. Could you give our listeners a short description of yourself and your role here at MedTech Europe? Very happy to. My name is Michael Strubin, and I joined MedTech Europe a little bit more than three years ago as the first director for digital health. That was a new role um, because uh, we needed to uh, articulate better um, our voice in the digital health debate and uh, talk, uh, talk with stakeholders, talk with policymakers about our interests here. And when I joined MedTech Europe, it was not a moment too soon because while the Commission has been seeking to advance digital health, um, at least since the Treaty of Lisbon, um, and it was called health telematics or e-health at that time, we've now seen quite an acceleration under the new Commission of Ursula von der Leyen, who's made digitalization one of the three pillars of the EU strategy. Thank you for this introduction, Michael. So we know digital health makes healthcare better, safer, and more efficient, and advances the delivery of high-quality care. For digital health to reach its full potential, we need to unlock the benefits of health data. So it's perfect, as in today's episode, our discussion will focus on atten our attention on the European health data space. We will discuss the regulatory and legal challenges that continue to limit access to health data by medical technology companies and give our views on how the medical technology industry can collect, process and share health data. And of course, in this context, the pandemic has given a further boost to the digital agenda. We already touched upon some of these issues in our last show uh, with Jesus and we will deepen our analysis with you, Michael, today. Yeah, I actually quite liked um, Jesus last time. Um, he stole a lot of my thunder, didn't he? Um, but as he mentioned, um, there was indeed a widespread transition to teleconsultations um, as we really wound down um, all of our lives uh, during the pandemic. And of course, uh, some of the digital applications like the COVID tracing apps or the green certificate have enjoyed massive take up um, among EU citizens because Um, the EU interoperability that the, that the Commission has been advancing in collaboration with the member states has meant that EU citizens could continue to travel and enjoy the benefits of these apps in other countries, which has provided a real added value. Okay, let's then jump into our first question. What is the European health data space? Ah, that's uh, the million-dollar question that a lot of people would like to know about. Um, I like to um, always, when I talk about the European health data space, or when we often refer to it as EHDS, I like to go back to the mission letter to Commissioner Stella Kyriakides from 2019, who was tasked to create uh, a European health data space to promote health data exchange and support research on new preventative strategies, as well as on treatments, medicines, um, and medical devices and outcomes. Note here, research on medical devices. And she was also tasked to be to, as part of this, ensure that citizens have control over their own personal data. So clearly, the EHDS has progressed since then. The Commission has been advancing a number of horizontal initiatives, like the European Data Strategy, um, and they've been defining some data architectures, clarifying, for example, the reuse of public sector data or data altruism. 
So we're now looking to the upcoming EHDS legislation in early 2022 to define a data governance framework for health data. And we hope that this legislation will tackle a lot of related issues, including infrastructure, investment and interoperability. And I know you have a lot to say about interoperability, and we can talk about it in another podcast. Uh, on this, I also invite our listeners to read our white paper on interoperability that we released earlier this month and is available on our website. So on our next question, what is the role of the medical technology industry in the European health data space and how do we contribute? Well, we like to think um, that in this emerging um, health data ecosystem, um, this European health data space, the medical technology industry is actually at the heart of it. Because the technologies, devices and sensors from our industry produce the health data that everybody's talking about. Think about body temperature, blood pressure, heart rate, blood sugar levels, pregnancy tests or COVID results. The medical technology industry delivers the data with medical grade accuracy and validity. This makes us different, for example, from the consumer device industry that makes lifestyle or wellness devices. The medical technology industry makes products and services that undergo a rigorous assessment under the MDR and IVDR. They deliver evidence and proof that they do what they claim to do before they can go to market. And can you give us practical example of these innovative technologies that you just mentioned? I give you three examples. Take for once glucose meters that help people with diabetes manage their condition. A person with diabetes needs to constantly monitor their blood sugar levels. Modern glucose meters can deliver this data continuously and with smart connected devices and apps can deliver alerts and prompts to adjust your lifestyle. For example, do some exercise, eat a chocolate bar or take other measures. It used to be that a person with diabetes had to constantly perform calculations about, for example, their food intake and how they adjust their lifestyle or calculate an insulin dosage. Now they can outsource this to a computer or an app. This is an immense gain in quality of life and, and peace of mind. Or take implanted cardiac devices, including, as they're commonly known, pacemakers that monitor the heart in people with certain heart rhythm disorders and deliver an electric shock when needed. My father actually has one of them. These devices can now be remotely monitored. The device sends data to a hospital where a cardiologist monitors and calls in the patient in case of irregularities. Or finally, take blood pressure monitoring. During surgery, for example, when patients get a new hip or knee implant, hospitals monitor a patient's blood pressure, particularly to check for a sudden drop. This is a condition called a hypotensive event, which puts patients at risk of serious organ damage, for example, acute kidney injury, heart attack or delirium, which can cause a prolonged stay in the hospital. Obviously, the surgeon and his team try to avoid that, and so monitoring the blood pressure of a patient is important. Thank you, Michael, for giving these three examples. So um, we talked about glucose meter, implanted cardiac devising, devices, and blood pressure monitoring. So talking about these, what are the issues or barriers that we need to overcome? And what is holding us back in a way? So let's stay on the last example for a moment, blood pressure monitoring. Uh, our members have been collecting this type of data from thousands of surgeries, crunched and analyzed this data and found 
that you can actually predict whether a patient will have a hypotensive event with a certain amount of accuracy a couple of minutes before. So they developed algorithms that are now in use in European hospitals that help prevent these deteriorations and that, of course, save lives and, and prevent all of these adverse conditions. The funny thing is, this type of research is really difficult in Europe. Medical device companies are not allowed to gather this type of data under the GDPR because it could be considered personal. Some member states in Europe may permit it, others may not. As a result, because of this legal uncertainty, it's not happening. Collecting the personal consent of each patient is not practical for a number of reasons. So as a result, the research that enabled these algorithms to be developed was actually performed outside of Europe. Okay, wow. Uh, that then really impacts how our industry can do research and development in Europe, right? Exactly. Um, and so we want these kind of knowledge-added um, industries to be happening, this type of research to be happening here in Europe. Or take the implanted cardiac devices, the second example. There are a handful of, of um, medical device companies that provide this technology, including the devices themselves, the data connections over 3G or other channels, and the online interface where cardiologists can monitor the data to care for their patients. So there's this trove of data that could, in theory, be used for research to detect patterns and improve technologies and outcomes. And in the GDPR, there is indeed a clause that should make that possible when data is aggregated and anonymized. But in practice, because the GDPR is unevenly applied in Europe, and we don't even have a consensus what qualifies as anonymized data, there are too many uncertainties, and as a result, these opportunities are often left unused. Finally, let's return to the first example, the diabetes. We know that blood glucose levels are dependent on a number of factors, including nutrition, exercise, and other lifestyle and, and, and environmental factors. But their precise roles are still being researched. The European health data space gives us a tremendous opportunity to combine personal and general data. For example, weather, traffic, or environmental data to generate new insights. But for now, the only basis on which medical technology companies are allowed to access personal data is personal consent. This makes research into medical conditions difficult and effectively impossible in Europe. Correct. I, I understand that the legal environment surrounding the use of health data is quite complicated. Could you tell us what the European Commission is currently working on and our recommendation in this regard? So as part of the EHDS legislation that is coming up in early 2022, we understand the Commission will address the issue of health data governance and make it easier for health data to be reused for research. Um, that's called the secondary use of health data. Currently, the situation is quite fragmented. As we already noted, um, the 2018 GDPR was supposed to create a European-level playing field for the use of data. However, when it comes to health data, it has resulted in quite a fragmented field. Um, there was recently done a report, um, the assessment of the EU member states' rules on health data in the light of GDPR, which the Commission published last spring and which we're going to list in the show notes. And the industry really suffers uh, from, from, for this, from this fragmentation. And the European health data space legislation will need to address this legal fragmentation. We're quite heartened that not only the Commission sees the problem, but the member states appear to agree. The joint action to create the EHDS called TEDAS 
led by Finland, has also called for new health data governance. Thank you. Could we also elaborate on the position of the industry in accessing data? And where will the industry sit in using the available health data? Indeed, industry access to the EHDS is the other big issue that we need to address. We know from many interactions with other stakeholder groups and from policymakers that there is a certain ambivalence. In the public perception, the medical technology industry is often lumped together with the major tech giants. And there's understandably some apprehension when you think about the GAFAs accessing your health data in addition to everything else. And we also see with concern that some member states are restricting access to research to only academic researchers. We note, for example, that FinData in Finland welcomes everybody, but the Germans do not permit access to uh, industry to the research data center, the Forschungsdatenzentrum. So the task for us is to highlight to the public and to policymakers that the medical technology industry is different, that we and our products and services are tightly regulated under the medical device regulation, in vitro diagnostics regulation and the GDPR. The industry and the roughly 700,000 people we employ in Europe are animated by a desire to further develop products and services that improve people's lives in line with European values and respect for the individual. Uh, thank you for, for this word. Um, so maybe as a closing of this episode, because we've already talked about a lot of things today, what could our listeners take away from, from our discussion? So... Just to summarize, um, the medical technology industry really supports the European health data space and its intent um, to support research on new medical devices. And we hope that, uh, that the European Commission and the European institutions will stick to that um, goal and, uh, and enable um, health data access for industry and SMEs. We hope it will address the regrettable fragmentation of the health data governance resulting from the different ways in which the GDPR is applied and which incidentally not only prevent, presents an issue for industry, but for everybody who wants to use health data for research. We also hope that the Commission will recognize the contribution that industry will bring to making use of data to power research and innovation, generate new insights and new technologies that improve people's lives and their health, including AI. And perhaps we can also call to, to the attention of our listeners here the, the research that we commissioned on the socioeconomic impact of AI on healthcare in Europe that we published last year. And we can perhaps also include that in the show notes. So we're rooting for the Commission and the member states to address through the European health data space legislation some of the pervasive challenges that have hampered the digital transformation of healthcare, including lack of interoperability, lack of incentives and reimbursement, lack of a data infrastructure in many member states, and so much more. And we could talk so much more about any of these topics, but perhaps we will leave these for future podcasts. Thank you, Michael. If not, we need another um, three or four hours on this. Um, so thank you for enlightening us today on this topic. Um, I agree that there's definitely a lot of potential for future discussion. Uh, and I'm sure we will talk again soon in another episode to unlock the power of digital health. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud. And if you want to know more about medical technologies, visit our website at medtecheurope.org and follow us on social media.